0: Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church at home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Everyone, hope you're doing really well. Uh, We're now actually on week five of a series of talks we started the year with looking at the breadth of the work of the Holy Spirit through the pages of the Bible. And just a reminder really, one of the reasons, perhaps the main reason we are doing this series, is we are keenly aware more than ever of the desperate need of the life of God in our lives and in our church. And to that end, the topic I was asked to speak on today is enticingly titled, Refreshment for Weary Souls. And amongst other things, I want to look at worship and how we relate to God personally through the Holy Spirit. Uh, One of the books I read recently was from a New York church leader called Rich Volodis called The Deeply Formed Life. And he used an illustration in it that I quite liked. He likens the human condition to the moment that Titanic strikes the iceberg. He says for a while there was a tragic obliviousness on the upper decks to the seriousness of what had happened down below. In fact, if you read and listen back to some of the interviews from survivors, they say, we didn't realise there was a serious problem. We thought we'd thrown a, a propeller or something. On the upper decks, everything looked totally fine. But of course, down below, there was a very serious problem. He says, so often we can end up living our lives like that. You know, On the upper decks, externally, things look fine. Life seems to carry on as normal. But are we really aware of the leakage underneath do we really know deep down where we're taking on water well I want to examine today how does the Holy Spirit address this and I want to do things slightly differently in that rather than looking at one chapter or one passage in the Bible I actually want to look at 15 chapters in the Bible I did ask for special dispensation from the team to make this talk 15 times longer than normal sadly they weren't keen so if this talk feels like it's skimming at any point you can blame them rather than me But I want to look at Psalm 120 through to Psalm 134. And the reason we're looking at these as a group is this is a collection of Psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent. And while they were written by different people and at different times, they were grouped together to be sung or prayed as a unit. Now, there's a bit of mystery as to precisely when and where these Psalms would have been prayed. But there are two particular theories that seem to be more popular than others. The first is that these Psalms were prayed as part of a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. In fact, the word ascent is exactly the same word used in the Old Testament to describe the journey of the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God to Jerusalem. You can read about that in 1 Chronicles, chapters 13 through to 15. Now, this is significant because, as we've heard before, Jerusalem in the Bible is symbolic of way more than simply a city. It's a picture of life. As it should be, of a value system of justice and righteousness and peace. In the Psalms, Jerusalem is described as the joy of the whole earth. In other words, all of us, metaphorically speaking, we need to be living in Jerusalem. The second place these psalms were sung is the culmination of a festival called the Feast of of Tabernacles. A professor and theologian called Arnold Fruchtenbaum writes about this. Uh, This was an amazing seven-day ceremony of joy uh, where, amongst other things, the Jews would celebrate deliverance from Egypt, salvation from slavery. And at the culmination of this seven-day festival, the priests would march down from the temple and fill this big pitcher with water. And then they'd march this water back up to the temple, singing the Psalms of Ascent as they went. And when they got to the inner courts of the temple, they would pour the water out as a symbol of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the whole people in the last days. Fruchtenbaum says this, the Jewish rabbis used to say, he who has not seen the rejoicing at the pouring out of the water has not seen rejoicing in all of their life. This is where these Psalms are taking us on a journey to Jerusalem, on a journey to the temple, on a journey to life and health and peace and joy and a pouring out of God's Holy Spirit upon us. Don't know about you, I feel I could do with taking that kind of journey. Was it me or did January feel like about 5,000 days long? Like I need life as it should be. I need the Jerusalem life. I need God's Spirit to fill me again. So how do we get there? Well, of course, 15 Psalms, 15 chapters of the Bible, uh, there's a whole load of themes that we could pull out, but I want to just pull out for me three of the most obvious ones that take us on this journey to Jerusalem. And the first is this, first step on this journey, we just need to admit we're not living in Jerusalem right now. The journey to being filled with God's spirit, it starts with acknowledging our need within. Psalm 120, first psalm of ascent, first line is this, I call to the Lord in my distress. This is where this journey begins, in distress. A couple of verses later, the prayer says this, Woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I live among the tents of Kedar. These two places, Meshach and Kedar, are far from Jerusalem, and the prayer is bemoaning that fact. They are not where they should be. They are far from home. More than that, they're living in tents. The world is not as it should be and the psalmist feels alienated and frightened and alone and living at odds with those around them. Psalm 121 continues this theme. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where's my help come from? This is significant for a couple of reasons. Firstly the mountains were places of danger and fear and uncertainty. People like robbers lived in the mountains. But later on in the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 125, we find that Jerusalem is surrounded by mountains. In other words, these pilgrims have to pass through this place of uncertainty and danger to get to life as it should be. How are they going to do that? Where's their help going to come from? The first question these Psalms of Ascent ask us is, have we brought our inner neediness and brokenness, our fear, have we brought all of that to God? Little illustration here, in Mary Beard's History of the Roman Empire, SPQR, she gives a cute illustration that as victorious Roman generals would parade through the city streets with people shouting praise and adulation at their victories, it said it was a slave's job to stand in the chariot behind them and whisper over and over in their ear, remember you are just human, remember you're weak. Remember, you are fragile. You could actually see this depicted in art sometimes. I've put one uh, on the screen for you. Remember, you are just you. In some ways, these Psalms of Ascent can have that effect on us. As I pray them, I'm reminded, oh goodness, I am so far from the Jerusalem life. And I need to bring this distress and this neediness to God. To go back to that titanic illustration, I cannot find rescue and healing and salvation if I don't know I'm deeply wounded in the first place. How I brought all of that brokenness and pain to God? I am not living in Jerusalem right now. Second theme in these Psalms of Ascent is this, I therefore need to journey to Jerusalem. I need to start travelling there. You see, what's interesting about this selection of Psalms to me is they are to be prayed on a journey. They're to be prayed on a pilgrimage, a journey from being far from Jerusalem to being right at the centre of the place where God dwells, a journey from being far from God to being intimately connected to him. I watched a movie a couple of weeks ago uh, called The Way with Martin Sheen. It's actually a story of a man taking a pilgrimage along the Camino de Santiago as he processes the death of his son. It's it's a good movie. What I love most was the beautiful scenery uh, along the pilgrimage of Compostela. But here's the interesting thing about a pilgrimage. You see, a pilgrimage is not just about the destination. If it was just about the place you're going to, well, take the quickest route, go by plane or by car. No, the power of a pilgrimage is you actually get changed along the journey. Now, these psalms of ascent aren't the only pilgrimage psalms. Psalm 84 captures this perhaps best of all when it says, "This blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion." The psalm is just like with the psalms of ascent. His intent, are got to get to Jerusalem. But they are not there yet. They are on a journey. But as they lead themselves there, it's like the desert places become places of refreshment and they get stronger and stronger. They go from strength to strength and they appear before God in Jerusalem, in Zion. This is what the Psalms of Ascent do for us. They prepare us and then lead us to a place of encounter with God and a fresh infilling of his Holy Spirit. How do they take us there? Well, in many different ways, but in particular, the psalmist reminds themselves about many things. They start by reminding themselves about the goodness of God. Psalm 121, where's my help come from? Oh yeah, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I've got to pass through the mountains. Oh, but he won't let my foot slip. Psalm 122 is really interesting in this regard because the author David is writing it as the pilgrim is approaching Jerusalem itself, and it gets the pilgrims thinking about this amazing city and then praying for it, praying for this place of encounter with God. This is what a pilgrimage does. It prepares us for a place of encounter. Psalm 130 captures this nicely. Number 11 in the Psalms of Ascend. Imagine people praying this as they're walking the pilgrim way, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I can't wait to get there, can't wait to get to Jerusalem. I'm waiting for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, and then he repeats it, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Here's what is significant about these words. You see a, a watch person on the walls of a city, they never have to worry about where the morning is going to come. No one stands on the walls of the city thinking, oh no, is the sun going to rise today? It's a matter of when, not if. These Psalms are supposed to affect us like that. Similar effect to that the Christmas tree and the presents underneath have on my kids in the build-up to Christmas. If you know my family, we start counting down to Christmas from around about July and like, you know, about 200 days till Christmas. Oh, 130 days till Christmas, 50 days till Christmas, Advent calendar time, 25 days till Christmas, 10 days to go, five days to go, one day to go. And the anticipation, thinking about the significance of this day, it makes the day itself that bit more special. That's how a pilgrimage works. And it's more important in worship than we might think. There's some really important application for the way that we approach meeting with God and being filled with the Holy Spirit you know sometimes on Sundays and I guess initially I'm referring to when we meet in person you know worship starts and, and the bands start up and they are just amazing I'm like wow we've got some amazing musicians in this church and then the singers they begin to sing and I'm like oh their voices they're just incredible the music's great the singing's great but have you ever had a Sunday where you're like I'm, I'm just not feeling it maybe lockdown has exacerbated this you know that the last year I feel like I've now completed Netflix and YouTube and Amazon Prime I've watched everything there is to watch you're telling me I've got to watch church as well I'm, I'm just not feeling it now if it's not you maybe it's just the other service leaders who tell me that but maybe maybe we've missed the power of pilgrimage maybe like these pilgrims taking themselves to this place of encounter maybe there's some work for me to do Maybe I need to do some inner work reminding myself of the goodness of God, of my desperate need of him. Maybe I need to confess my sins to him. That's the theme of these Psalms of Ascent as well. And as I go on this journey, it leads me to a place of more intimate connection. Just one small suggestion, which might be helpful for our spiritual lives over the coming weeks. I was reminded that Lent starts on Wednesday this week. Now, I realise for many of us, Lent's a time where we kind of give up stuff. Right? Don't know what it is for you, chocolate, wine, TV, social media. Here's a suggestion. Why do I not see Lent this year as a pilgrimage? As a journey to the joy of Resurrection Sunday. That As I give up stuff, as I lay stuff down, it's because I'm taking myself on a journey where I need to remind myself of my own weakness and lack of self-control of my utter dependency on God, of the fact that I can't do much right now, but actually God is all that I need. And maybe as a result, I will end up with a deeper and more intimate encounter with God than I otherwise would have experienced. Step one, I realised I'm not in Jerusalem. I'm not living the life the Bible promises. So goodness, step two, I need to take myself there and I get changed along the way, getting stronger and stronger, desert places becoming places of refreshment. And that leads to theme number three, step number three in this journey, which I've entitled worship or encounter or intimacy or connection. I want to put an image on the screen for us to reflect on for a moment. This is a picture of a romantic meal for two, couple at a table, uh, staring lovingly into each other's eyes as a way to bring them some choice food. This is actually a picture of Joy and I before we had kids. (laughs) No, no, I I joke. Uh, This is actually a metaphor for our relationship with God. But I have a rhetorical question to ask. When it comes to prayer and the ways that we relate to and connect with God, is God the person sitting across the table from us, or is he the waiter? I want to be honest with you. If you heard my prayer life sometimes, God will be much more like the waiter. Could you come here and sort this problem, please? Or oh, give me the dessert menu. I want to tell you what I want. Could you give them the bill, please? I think it's their turn to pay, not me. I, I make God the waiter when he is supposed to be the lover. That's the kind of sense of intimacy the Bible gives when it comes to our connection with God. This is where the Psalms of Ascent takes us. Psalm 120, we're in Meshach and Kedar. Psalm 134, the last Psalm of Ascent, we are in the sanctuary, it's the word it uses, right in the centre of the temple, praising God and connecting with him. Now, metaphorically speaking, God is across the table and we are dining with him. And there's some beautiful relational imagery in these psalms that describe the place where we are headed. Uh, one of my favourites, perhaps one of my favourites in the whole of the Bible, Psalm 131. Well, the psalmist praised these words, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child I am content. Now, I've, I've lived with unweaned children. It's hard. Now, unweaned children just want everything now, like food, milk, nappy change sleep, Wow give me it all now. Uh, my prayer life is sometimes like that. God, resolve that problem, overcome that challenge. I want it right now. You know, a, a weaned child is totally different. A weaned child knows, oh, it is okay, because you are with me. Forget the food, forget the milk. Forget the sleep. I've got you, and that is all that I need. I kind of picture a cute kid snuggling into its parents' bosom. That's where this journey is taking us. It starts in Misha Kinkedah. So we realize I've got to take myself to this place of encounter. It ends with intimate connection with God Himself. You know, wonderfully, this is a journey that Jesus has modeled for us already. You know, Jesus came way. Outside Jerusalem. He took on our weakness, was found in appearance as a human being. And he went to Jerusalem. Some amazing stuff happened along the way, but there he laid down his life. And because of his sacrifice, we can now dine across the table from God. And I find this really interesting, that Jesus chooses the festival at which these Psalms were sung, the Feast of Tabernacles, the culmination of which was the pouring out of the water in the temple to symbolise the pouring out of God's Spirit upon all people. This is the day that Jesus chooses, John chapter 7, to signal that the day of the Spirit's pouring out has finally come. We read this in John 7, on the last and greatest day of the Feast, who knows, maybe those urns of water were being poured out as he spoke. Maybe where people were singing Psalm 134, we now get to connect with God. This is our great hope. On this day, Jesus stands and says in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. In other words, the Jerusalem we have to pilgrimage to is not a city, nor is it a temple. It is a person. The Psalms of Ascent ultimately take us to Jesus. We don't have to get the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, nor do we have to get a big urn of water to the temple. We have to get ourselves to Jesus. And it is in him that life and joy and peace and a fresh filling of the Spirit of God is to be found. Uh, I love stories, as you know. I need one about every 30 seconds in a talk to keep me engaged. One of my favourite kids' stories is the Velveteen Rabbit. The story, if you've not heard it, is about a stuffed toy, a rabbit given to a kid for Christmas. It's not the kid's favourite. Initially, he grows to that position of privilege. But on the journey, the rabbit ends up meeting the skin horse, who is the oldest and wisest toy in the nursery. And the horse tells the rabbit... That toys can magically become real if they receive love from children. Well the rabbit becomes enthralled by this idea. It's Jerusalem to the rabbit. He's like, I've got to become real. I've got to get love. Well the horse describes this journey beautifully. He says this, oh it doesn't happen all at once. You become. Oh it takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has being left off, your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you cannot be ugly except to people who don't understand. It's a picture actually of our journey to meeting God face to face. You see, being filled with God's power, refreshment. For weary souls, it's not something that happens as a one-off. We become. It takes a long time of ever greater moments of intimacy and connection with God and Jesus becoming real. You know, as we experience the love of God on this journey, it it changes us. 2 Corinthians 3 talks about us becoming more and more like Jesus on this journey, going from strength to strength till we appear before God in Zion. You know, in some ways, metaphorically speaking, we aren't real right now. We aren't fully real, but the day is going to come when, metaphorically speaking, our hair has been all rubbed off. I'm two-thirds of the way there already. Where we are all loose in the joints and physically we are all together shabby, but none of it matters anymore because we are a weaned child. It's like, oh, I'm with you, and so everything is okay. And the Bible promises that the Spirit but Jesus said, hey, you can receive the Spirit through me, come to me and drink. It is a down payment of the moment where we meet him face to face, where we appear before God in Zion. I'm sure that many of us have connected with the art of Charlie McAsee over the last year. One image that this uh, amazing Christian artist has drawn is just an image of two people embracing. I think it's to kind of symbolise the hope of social distancing At one point in the future, finally being over. it's two people embracing and two words next to it. One day. One day. That is our hope. That one day we will appear before God in Zion, fully real, forever with him. When we receive the Holy Spirit now, it gives us a foretaste of that moment. So if you, like me, can relate to that titanic illustration. If you know I am taking on water down below, if you can echo the psalmist's prayer, I feel like I'm living far from the Jerusalem life right now. I'm living in tents. I want to be home with God. I want to pray that we would encounter him right now, that God would give us a taste of what lies in store one day. But before I pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us, I want to encourage you to take yourself on a journey. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Just block out all other distractions. And why don't we start step one by bringing our inner neediness to God. We're not living in Jerusalem right now. We're living in tents. We're, We're far from home. We want to bring our fears and our insecurities to you. Just bring your insecurities to him. Tell him your need. to use the words of Jesus, tell him why you're thirsty. Just take a moment to do that. And now why don't we begin? lead ourselves on a journey, to take a mini pilgrimage. Begin to remind yourself on the journey to him, he won't let my foot slip. I may have to travel through the mountains, but he'll be with me. He is faithful and just. Maybe remind yourself of your dependency on him. Remind yourself of how much you need God. God. Begin to bring to mind, oh, what's it like? We're with him face to face. Just as these Psalms of Ascent help us bring these things to mind now. Let's take a moment to do that. Now I'm going to pray. Invite God to meet with us. And I just want to encourage you. Don't let this be a one-off moment. If you'd like some support, if you'd like us to pray with you, do get in touch with us through the Get Connected form on the website. If you want to begin the most amazing adventure of relationship with Jesus, get in touch with us. We can help you. We can give you some resources. But let us pray now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit come, if anyone is thirsty, Jesus, we come to you now that we might drink. Fill my brothers and sisters, now I pray in Jesus' name. May fear be gone now and may be replaced with peace and joy. In your presence now, may we be like weaned children, I haven't got all I need, but I've got you, and that is enough. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, we do not want our testimony at the end of lockdown to be, oh, we got through, we survived. No, we want to go from strength to strength. We want barren places to become places of refreshment until we appear before you in Zion. This is the journey we want to take ourselves on. So fill us afresh now, I pray. May we know more intimacy with God than we have tasted before. We want to take ourselves to that place of connection with you. And I want to pray as we worship now, would you intensify your presence amongst us? May we be a people that are marked by your presence within us and upon us. And may we be a community in each of our locations all across London and beyond whose deepest longing is to go deeper and deeper and deep with you. To go from strength to strength we appear before God in Zion. Come Holy Spirit and take us deeper, take us further. We pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to christchurchlondon.org.